On Monday this week, inspectors turned up at the Salford Royal Hospital to inspect the A&E department. According to our sources, what they found was deeply worrying. This is the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. Hello there, I'm Daryl Morris. We're the editor of The Mill, Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered by email, Yoshi Herman. Hello there, Yoshi. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good to be here. Uh, we've got uh, plenty to dive into this week, including some uh, more problems on the Avanti West Coast line. Brilliant. Basically, live my life on the Avanti West Coast line. We've also got a PhD student who masturbated to fantasy child sexual abuse material for research at the University of Manchester. Blimey. Extraordinary story, that, isn't it? Really, really weird. Making a couple of the national newspapers this week. Uh, we'll also talk about the Tory leadership race as well, because that's uh, arriving in Greater Manchester. Very excited about the Tory leadership race. Yeah, it's already arrived. They, they've been here in Trafford. They're coming to Manchester next oh, week. Oh, so yeah. excited. I haven't. I didn't notice <laughs> yeah. it already arrived yeah. <laughs> in Greater Manchester. Okay, we'll come on to all of that shortly. Uh, firstly, to uh, a story exclusive uh, to the mill, Yoshi, and this uh, concerning, and it's very concerning, uh, A&E at Salford Royal Hospital. Yeah, this is a story we're breaking in today's edition of The Mill, so that's Thursday, the the day the podcast comes out. The CQC, the Care Quality Commission, they did an unannounced visit, we believe, of Salford Royal Hospital on Monday. They 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 went in there. They were focusing on the A and E department. Is is our understanding? And according to one person who witnessed um, the visit, it did not go well. According to this person, so this person has effectively said that we've spoken to this source says what the CQC found was that triage was taking much too long. So we all know that you wait ages in A and E these days. In fact, you often have in the past as well. But you're expected to see someone very quickly to, for a nurse to, 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 to triage you to work out whether it's very serious or not very serious or how long you should basically wait. The really concerning thing is that's supposed to take 15 minutes and it was taking 90 minutes, according to this source that we spoke to. The CQC have not confirmed this story to us, but they've said that their, you know, their report will, will come out in due course and um, they sort of haven't denied any of the key details. So I think that's important to note. We've been told it was going so badly on the A&E ward during this visit that there was a nurse crying who had to be comforted by one of the inspectors. And we were told that the CQC inspectors orally, before they left, said this A&E is unsafe and immediate changes need to be made, immediate improvements need to be made. So there's more on that in today's um, members-only newsletter on the mail. But... I think it's probably emblematic of things that are happening elsewhere, but it's a sort of concerning vignette from a particular hospital. So take us into that point then. How how typical is this, do you think, across the NHS in Greater Manchester? Well, I actually spoke to a consultant at a, uh, a big A&E in the northwest um, quite recently, about a week ago. And what he said was, this is not being driven by COVID. We're not seeing that many COVID cases at the moment, which is not that surprising. He said it's not even being driven by a massive increase in demand, i.e. way more people coming in. He said there are more people coming in. And he said that's often because you have a lot of people who didn't have things seen to during the pandemic. Those issues that they've got have now risen to the level that they're so concerned they're going to A&E. They would normally, or they should really normally be going to GPs, but they can't get a GP appointment. So this was not a, um, this was not Salford Royal, to be clear. This was a different hospital, this person I was speaking to. But he was saying that is one of the big pinch points. The other big pinch point, and this is borne out by data that I've seen, is that what they called 
hospital throughput is is a, a big problem at the moment, which means that the A and E departments are struggling to get people onto wards because the wards are struggling to get people out of the hospital. And this particular consultant said that is because of social care. It's very difficult for hospitals at the moment to discharge some particularly elderly patients because they can't find the care homes for them or the families haven't made arrangements. So you've got hospitals are look very, very busy at the front door, partly because it's difficult to get people out of the back door, as it were. Mm. So that's, that's, that's a big thing. Layered on top of this, and I think contributing to both of those issues, you have got staffing problems. And there was a, a report out recently, um, I believe it was by MPs, that really shone a light on just the shortages um, of staffing in the NHS and how that is a, a problem you cannot quickly solve because of the training required. When I spoke to this consultant, he said they are so desperate for staff on some shifts that they have to bring in locum doctors, right? But the locum doctors are not committing to doing shifts because they know that only at the last minute can the hospitals offer a higher rate. So these locum doctors, the ones who can work anywhere, they are waiting around to see, will I get a better rate from somewhere in Wales? Will I get somewhere a better rate from somewhere in, in, in Liverpool or in Manchester? And then they're driving to... And sometimes the differences are apparently enormous based on how much that hospital is allowed to spend based on some formula. So what's happening is... Where if you are managing a hospital A&E at the moment, you often don't know going into a Sunday night or a Saturday night how many people you're going to have. Plus, you've got absences because of COVID and, and, and absences because of burnout and other things. So you've got the staffing issue. You've got this throughput issue. You've clearly got the issue of more people coming in because of things that they didn't have looked at in the pandemic. And some of those things are more um, serious, more severe. So that is my understanding based on speaking to people and, and based on some of the data that's out there too. All right. Fascinating insight. It's my, it's my local hospital as well, by the way. Royal Salford Royal. As it happened, I had to go recently to A and E, uh, and it was everything was okay in the end. It was fine, but but for sure, I mean, a we dreaded going. We, we sort of went as a last ditch, uh, as a last resort. And when we got there, it was extraordinary. I mean, so busy. I mean, it was it was a, must have been a Tuesday or a Wednesday evening or something like that, mm. uh, and it was extraordinarily busy. And you could just tell that the staff were battling a wave that they couldn't battle for much longer really it, um, it really was a sight to behold yeah um, and, and what this consultant said is that the media is not on this occasion exaggerating the problem the problems in A&E that doctors are experiencing at the moment the nurses are experiencing at the moment are very very severe mm. they're very very difficult some of them are they're facing more pressure than they were before the pandemic so I think even though there has been some sort of scaremongery reporting around I think some aspects of COVID in the past couple of years in my opinion at least I think this is one where the crisis in A&E is, is real okay manchestermill.co.uk is where you go for more insight to that you can subscribe just £7 a month will get you access to that brilliant journalism if you you want to know what's going on at Salford Royal and Ingress of Manchester's NHS, manchestermill.co.uk. Elsewhere, Yoshi, oh, this is another story that extends into my life and has been the bane of my life recently. Uh, Avanti West Coast have suspended lots of services, rearranged some of their timetable as well, haven't they, this week between Manchester and London? What's going on? Well, I think in recent weeks, people have become very used to last-minute cancellations from this company. I mean, travellers in the north have become very used to last-minute cancellations generally, but there's been a particular issue in, in recent weeks. A lot of people said, oh, my train got cancelled half an hour before or whatever. Avanti West Coast have essentially tried to tackle that by in advance cancelling lots of services. So they have slashed timetables, they've suspended ticket sales on a lot of things. For example, I wanted to go to my friend's engagement drinks on, on Friday night in London. The, the, the train down to London I could buy, but I couldn't buy any on Saturday or Sunday coming up, which is 
I've never experienced that, but I think you have experienced that um, yes. before mm. coming up from London, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not hugely regularly, uh, but but in recent weeks there have been stop in ticket sales, but they've certainly been running close to one train per hour out of London, Euston to Manchester on a Sunday quite regularly recently. Whereas I actually couldn't book a single, well, when I looked last night, I couldn't book a single ticket over the weekend back to Manchester. So Avanti West Coast have come under a lot of criticism from Andy Burnham, from Bev Craig, from other northern leaders for effectively making this decision, putting out a statement, effectively blaming their drivers, saying, you know, calling it unofficial um, strike action that they're taking. And the politicians are basically saying, look, the government need to call in this company. And if they don't sort themselves out, they just have the franchise taken away. That's their perspective. The pers- what we're hearing, I, I think this was reported by BBC Northwest in particular today, they, they got into it a bit, was that... What's happening is normally a lot of the services that we get are reliant on drivers taking overtime taking overtime that they get paid more for but that the company doesn't have enough drivers to run services if people don't take a lot of overtime so the unions are saying well they should employ more drivers you know they shouldn't run this this ship on 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 a, on a, on a tiny staff the company is saying well normally we rely on this much overtime and what the drivers are currently doing is basically they are withdrawing their goodwill they're saying we are so um, annoyed about um, uh, about pay and, and conditions and um, we are going to withdraw that goodwill we're not going to do overtime and that's causing some of the problems Someone from Avanti um, described uh, the current issues as severe staff shortages. So, yeah, it's 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 going to make um, getting up and down from London really difficult. I think there are lots of other lines I- impacted as well. And, um, yeah, it's a total nightmare. Six hours on a bus next week, next Thursday. Six hours on the National Express. Enjoy that. Yeah. <sighs> I really hope they've got a, a toilet, or at the very least a toilet <laughs> that works. Okay, uh, elsewhere this week, Yoshi, we'll keep an eye on that Avanti West Coast story, by the way, and, uh, and how it develops, because that is significant for lots of people getting up and down the country. Um, and uh, not least, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss uh, getting up to Greater Manchester, uh, Yoshi. They've been here a little bit this week, the uh, the two hopefuls for Prime Minister in and around, I think, Trafford, wasn't it? I think uh, Rishi Sunak was in Bury last week as well, and they are doing the rounds. Yeah, they're doing the rounds. They go to Hustings over there in Darlington for a real sort of red wall type Hustings. They've been in Trafford this week. They're going to be in Manchester next week. And uh, we don't know a tremendous amount of what was said about uh, the Trafford Hustings, but we know more about the Darlington ones because I think it was, it was broadcast. And was it, The Trafford one was, was kind of like closed shop, was it? Basically? I think it was a bit closed shop because I can't find any details about it. Maybe right. that's my mm-hmm. poor research. But I also asked the Trafford Tories, could I go to it? And, and they didn't respond. Right. So I don't think they were massively open. But the, the one in Darlington was interesting because there were some questions about cost of living and that's the big issue at the moment for members of the public whether it's the big issue for for those two candidates i don't know but they are now being forced to or they're being pressured to come up with proper plans and it's interesting because liz trust came out and said i don't want to do handouts i don't believe in this sort of what she called gordon brown economics of you tax people more and then you hand out more rishi sunak basically says you can't just deal with this 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 energy hike issue just through tax because the tax system clearly there are lots of people for example just by getting rid of the national insurance hike you're not going to help pensioners with their energy bills and and pensioners tend to use quite a lot of energy because they're at home so much because they don't pay national insurance there are a lot of people who don't pay any income tax because they earn less than the threshold you're not going to help them by fiddling around with tax so Rishi Sunak's argument is Liz Truss's plans to deal with this all through the tax system are not going to work they're not going to help the right people and what he's basically saying is that the tax system isn't sensitive enough in those areas to, to 
give a proper response for that to be the way that the government helps people out. He's talking about making some sort of government efficiencies in order to pay for um, a support package. He said he's open to meeting with Boris Johnson and Trust to talk about, you know, um, whether they can come up with a plan before a new leader is elected. Trust seems to be quite anti that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops because clearly if Labour comes in with a big plan by the end of the month of exactly how it wants to deal with it and the Conservatives candidates don't have a have a, have a really good plan, the public might start noticing that. But obviously the key issue is later this year, I believe it's October when, when, the, when the energy um, cap goes up, it is projected to go up by a, a really considerable amount. We're talking about people's energy bills going up to like £3,000 a year. There are loads and loads of people who won't be able to afford that and there are loads of people who will not be able to get by on the support package that's already been announced there is going to have to be more i think the consensus is building across not just politics but sort of around civil society there is going to have to be a lot more you see social media campaigns about people not paying bills about how to complain against the companies that they can't do your direct debit things are going to get really really ugly in this cost of living crisis with this next cap going up because not only do the estimates say it's going to go up much more than expected it's also going to last longer these high prices are going to last longer i heard some good analysis of this um on the um spectators um coffee house shots podcast so if people want to want to hear the discussion about how the candidates are dealing with this question i'm you know i defer to that podcast and and cite them because i listened to it earlier and i think they really dig into like first of all how bad these these energy price cap um, rises are going to be, and secondly, how these two candidates are look like they're they're sort of um, planning to deal with them. Okay, very very interesting, and and it, it begs the question, doesn't it? And maybe we'll do a little bit more on this in the coming weeks. Thinking about the sort of people of Greater Manchester is uh, watching on. Is is what's their take on this? As they see their energy bills tick up and they see the price of things uh, uh, getting higher and higher, what kind of assessments are they making about these two candidates? in their head as they arrive in Manchester of course not talking to them talking to Tory members who are going to be the, the ultimate uh, you know the, the ones who decide but it's all very interesting isn't it fascinating yeah. um, okay uh, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, and bring you anything that uh, that comes out of Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak being here in Greater Manchester in the next week or so elsewhere Yoshi a couple of quick hits and things we need to talk about um, you might have seen this predominantly on social media but sort of seeping into the news more generally drag queen story hours being disrupted by protests and this story brings us to Rochdale, doesn't it? Where Rochdale Council have made a decision on that. Yoshi, what's this? Yeah, so the author, um, Ada HD, who is known as the Storytime Drag Queen, she was due to read in Rochdale and in Middleton and Hayward. Rochdale Council has said it's postponing the shows basically because of the protests. There have been these online protests. They haven't specified why exactly they're, they're cancelling them, but the opposition councillor, Andy Kelly, said that the Labour-led council should should stick up for difference. So, so there's a there's a bit of sort of pushback to the cancellation. A, a drag queen story hour representative um, told the BBC that they were very disappointed and, and that they hadn't been consulted about this. So this is one that's kind of been like blowing up a little bit online and on, on Reddit and the kind of thing maybe we should talk about it in a future week. Mm, for sure. Okay, and, uh, and elsewhere, this is a truly bizarre story. There's made a couple of the national newspapers uh, in the last day or two, uh, today in fact, I think. This is the story of Carl Anderson, who is a PhD student students at Manchester University of Manchester who's shall we just say made a mistake has he made a mistake is that fair to say what is this yeah this is this is mind-blowing so this academic 
um, has published a an article, uh, you know, a, a, an online paper. Um, it focuses on his experience masturbating to fantasy child sexual abuse material. He, he works in the Japanese Studies Department, and according to his research biography on the, on the university website, he he focuses on fans of subcultural comics in Japanese desire, and, and he thinks about sexual identities and that kind of thing. You've got this paper written by him, and the paper is titled "I Am Not Alone, We Are All Alone," and it uses using masturbation as an ethnographic method in research on Shota subculture in Japan. Blimey. And he's now being investigated, isn't he, by the University of Manchester. There is an investigation open into how that happened, I suppose. Fair enough. <laughs> that decision, I guess. Okay. And also an update, Yoshi, on our Sunday listen uh, from last weekend. We had a fascinating character, Jack Chadwick, who's been doing some digging into the life and times and works of the, the sort of forgotten author, as it were, Jack Hilton, who's a working-class writer from Greater Manchester. I've heard so much... Honestly, since since we spoke to Jack last week, because we had him on the podcast, it's been everywhere. And the iPaper's been talking about it. I was listening to my, I was listening to Times Radio the other day, and uh, I think Jack might have been on Times Radio talking to them about Jack Hilton. This is uh, this is really blown up. Yeah, it's amazing how it's spreading. Actually, iPaper did a a story about it, as you say. He's been on Times Radio. There are people you oh, I'm seeing tweets, you know, because people tag the Manchester Mail Twitter account, seeing tweets from people in publishing, people around the world wishing him luck, wishing him advice, saying I'll DM you how to do. Thing. So it's really like take it, it's caught people's imagination. This working class writer who didn't get the literary career that his writing deserved. And now Jack Chadwick's done this brilliant work of reviving him. He's now off, he told me yesterday he's off somewhere to go. I don't know if he's going to get that um, suitcase full of manuscripts or he's off somewhere to do some, some, some next bit of research. So we'll definitely have him write an, another thing on the mill. But it's, I actually found it quite moving when we were talking to him last week because the last thing he kind of said on the podcast was, I don't think this could have happened without the mill, you know, because it, and then he said to me afterwards, like, I think, like, the mill combines, like, the local audience, but also an audience of people who really care about writing and care about literature and stuff. So it's quite emotional to hear that for me because it was, you know, I, I think um, it was a good fit, you know, the research he did and, and the mill's audience. And now I th- feel like what instantly happened is hundreds or maybe thousands of mill readers sent it to friends around the world and that's how you've got these publishing figures from from america and australia getting in touch with him and people giving him leads and stuff so the whole thing is a very cool mill story and it all began as we said on the podcast last week because i met him in a pub on a night out probably like 1 a.m or something and he had heard of the mill and he had heard of the um jack chadwick had heard of the of the podcast so Excellent. yeah the whole thing is great and if you haven't heard it uh, read it yet uh, in full or indeed heard it you can listen to jack on last week's episode of the manchester weekly last sunday's uh, edition or you can read jack's piece in the mill manchestermill.co.uk is where you go to subscribe and to read that what's going on in the newsroom my friend what are you uh, working on for the next couple of days so I'm putting the finishing touches to this big homelessness long read we've done. It's, it's, it's been my I work. you've mentioned that oh, every, know, for the last six months. I know, people are <laughs> bored of it. It's the final time I mention it because we're publishing it on this Saturday. It's been my work. It's been Jack Dalhansi's work. Um, Alexandria Slater worked on it. Olivia Davidson did the data. A whole other, four other data researchers from the University of Manchester have looked at it. So yeah, so many of us have put time into this. Um, I'm, I'm fin- you've read, I think, a, you know, a, bit, a bit of an early draft. Mm. Gonna, Sophie's going to be editing it um, um, in the next couple of days so yeah it's just one of those ones where you put loads of effort in and then you actually have to you know spit out an article at the end so. and what's, what is it telling us I think it, it what away? it's trying to help 
readers understand is why have we gone from having hundreds of people in temporary homeless accommodation in Manchester to thousands over the space of you know seven or eight years? What has happened? Do, is it because we have a particular housing crisis in Manchester? Is it because we don't have enough social homes? Or is it because actually the system is not particularly well run by the enormous homelessness directorate that exists at the council? Those are the things we'll try and get into in the piece. Okay, brilliant. Really worth a read. Uh, Manchestermill.co.uk is where you go to get that landing in your email inbox this weekend. We always give you some bits and bobs to do in and around Greater Manchester. Yoshi, what's on your radar for that, my friend? Well, coming up soon... We have an interview with Mark Fletcher, who is the um, the, the chief executive of, of Manchester Pride. Really, um, you know, going to be an interesting discussion for people to hear. But coming up this weekend is a much smaller event. I think no no less worth mentioning for us. Levenshulme Pride. Levenshulme Pride. Very good. Okay. Yeah. That is happening in. Um, it's it's going to be from Friday um, to, until Sunday. So basically, this entire weekend, all events and activities at Levenshulme Pride are free to attend. Oh. So there are going to be no scandals or controversies about charities getting money, not getting money, ticket prices, uh, Ariana Grande, anything like that. Yeah. And they they say we were forced to have a year off, um, um, but now they're back. And to be honest, I don't know that much about it. But um, Molly said it's a it's going to be a good event, and she's going along. So I think everyone should. My other wreck is the Manchester Caribbean Carnival, which is taking place in Alexandra Park. Um, it's on Saturday and Sunday. There's a parade. There's all sorts of like interesting music. It's uh, yeah, it looks like absolutely. I've never been to it, but it looks like an absolutely brilliant event. It's the 50th celebration, um, and it's from midday until 8 p.m. on both those days in Alexandra Park. So check that out at uh, ManchesterCarnival.com. Good, good stuff. Um, okay, uh, my nod for the weekend is actually links us back to the Jack Hilton story, by the way, where Jack Chadwick found some of that brilliant Jack Hilton literature, the Working Class Movement Library. They're doing an open day this weekend, doing a couple of these across the summer, but this one uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday lets you drop in any time between 10 and 3, and you can meet the staff and the volunteers, and they'll show you around and give you a bit of a sense of what's going on. So if you really want to know more, if, if the Jack Hilton story has not only sparked your interest in Jack Hilton, but also in the Working Class Movement Library, uh, that's in Salford. You can go and have a, a route around it yourself this weekend. And the 100 is on at Old Trafford this weekend. That's that um, sort of new sort of brand of cricket, which is trying to get young people and people who aren't massively interested in cricket interested in cricket. It's a bit quicker and a bit faster and a bit more sort of intense. Uh, the Manchester Originals play the Trent Rockets. The women's game kicks off from 11 or Tees off? What's the, what's the term for it? Bowls off? Yeah, I don't know. We're sort of, um, well, Bowls off? Well, yeah. Kick, kick, it's not, certainly Nobody's not kicks kicking. off. It's not, yeah, I don't know what it is. Bowling. Bowl off. Yeah. Bowl off. Uh, from, uh, from 11 on uh, uh, Saturday morning. And you can make a day of it as well. The men play later on in the afternoon. It's generally a brilliant atmosphere. Old Trafford's always a laugh to be at. And the, the 100 is uh, really quick. It's really fast-paced. If you're not massively into cricket, but you just fancy a day out, it's good for beginners to the sport as well. Loads of good fun. And also a chance to support women's sport as well and go and watch the women cricketers play in the morning um, okay that's a lot from us for this week uh, don't forget to subscribe manchestermill.co.uk £7 a month gets you a whole stack of brilliant journalism just like this in your inbox when you need it we're back on the Manchester Weekly Podcast this weekend with another deep dive into a fascinating character from Greater Manchester don't forget to hit like subscribe and leave us a comment as well help other people find the Manchester Weekly 